Today's episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And the Roger Hoover Podcast is proud to be part of the River City Rogue Podcast Network. For the best local blogs, vlogs, and podcasts on sports, culture, and entertainment, head to RiverCityRogue.com. Bold views from the bold city and beyond. Everybody, I'm Roger Hoover, and welcome to this episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast. Today is Monday, January 22nd, 2018. I'm coming to you from a very rainy, at the moment, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, but at least it is warmer than it has been here in West Alabama. But uh, a very rainy, dreary time outside. You could even hear raindrops in the background uh, during this intro. But welcome to the podcast. I've been blown away by the response uh, over the past week to some of the guests we've had, like Eli Gold, Bradley Bozeman, and Nikki Hegstetter. Had a lot of listens to that episode, as well as Blythe Brumley, who I had on last Friday uh, to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, thank you to a lot of people who have been listening to the podcast and reaching out to me on Twitter or email. It's been pretty cool to see how uh, some of these newer podcasts and people I've talked to within the last couple of weeks, how their episodes have really resonated. Uh, so I really appreciate that. We'll have another new guest coming up later in the week. But today, I'm like I'm done over the past few weeks. And uh, even in this offseason, I've tried to play some episodes that I didn't get a chance to release on this podcast during the baseball season. And as I go back into the archive for today's episode, got to go all the way back to May 27th of last year. It was golf night at the baseball grounds of Jacksonville, a great promotion by the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. And with it being golf night, we hosted a lot of members of the Jim and Tabitha Furick Foundation and Pontevedra Beach resident Jim Furick made an appearance. He threw out the ceremonial first pitch. His daughter sang the national anthem. And then he joined me on the Jumbo Shrimp Network for one entire inning of a game. So coming up in a moment, you'll hear that conversation with Jim Furyk. Yes, it is a bit old as it goes back to nearly an entire year, but still we talk about the story of his career and his rise throughout professional golf. He won the 2003 U.S. Open. He's somebody that is dubbed Mr. 58 because he's shot 58 in a professional golf round before. He is also the Ryder Cup captain for the Ryder Cup coming up later this fall. So he is very busy at this time of the year. You'll hear him mention that uh, he wasn't as busy with his role last year, but uh, as January is going along and he's been injured and has been playing on the PGA Tour, the Ryder Cup has really been his focus. So I know a lot of golf fans love that event. It's always one of my favorites every two years. And I can't wait to see his picks and how Jim Furyk leads the U.S. against Europe in the Ryder Cup. So I think you'll enjoy this conversation with Jim Furyk. He made an appearance last year at the baseball grounds of Jacksonville, and he's this week's guest from the archives. We're in the top of the second inning. No score between the Jackson Generals and the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. It is golf night here at the ballpark. The first 1,000 fans received a golf hats, kind of in a Ben Hogan or Payne Stewart style. Thanks to our friends at 121 Financial Credit Union. And now with the golf night theme, pleased to bring on Jim Furyk, who threw out a ceremonial first pitch. And tonight, the Jumbo Shrimp are partnering with the Jim and Tab of the Furyk Foundation. And it's going to be a fun night at the ballpark. It already has been, Jim. It has. It has. It was fun to get out here early. Uh, my daughter sang the national anthem tonight, which was uh, a thrill for uh, her mother and I. And uh, yeah, enjoying it. 
And you got to throw out a ceremonial first pitch as well. That was good. The, uh, I'll tell you what, the little 10-year-old Sebastian that threw the first one, uh, sure. I think he showed everyone up. That was a pretty good pitch. <laughs> so now we start this inning with Rudy Flores at the plate going up against Mike Kickham. Do you like baseball? I do. I do. I played growing up until uh, I think about my sophomore year of high school. Uh, quit to play a little bit more golf, but uh, enjoy it. I think uh, I appreciate it a lot more at the park, to be honest with you, to kind of see uh, the defensive shifts and, and uh, just, just to be in the park. Here's a base hit for Rudy Flores just past the shortstop for the Jumbo Shrimp, Alex Yarbrough. So a good start to the inning for the Generals as we visit with Jim Furyk. Now, did you grow up a Pirates fan or a big Steelers fan? Pirates fan. I'm Pittsburgh everything. So, everything uh, Pittsburgh. Had a good, uh, had a good uh, what was it, Thursday evening with the Pens winning a double overtime as yeah, well. Yeah, that's perfect. So going to the finals. Yeah, I'm from Tennessee, so they're growing up against Uh-oh. the National Predators. But Uh-oh. I grew up a Blackhawks fan, like all Chicago all sports right. teams. So that'll be a fun series. It will. It will. I'm enjoying, uh, can't wait to uh, get it started. Absolutely. Now it's Dewell Lugo at the plate going up against the left-hander Mike Kickham. And that misses just low and inside for ball one. What can you tell us about the gym and Tabitha Furyk Foundation? Uh, we started it in 2010. Um, it's a foundation to benefit children and families in need here in the northeast Florida, greater Jacksonville area. Um, and we've kind of partnered up with uh, a number of different charities in town to kind of help them grow and uh, you know, basically get a, a lot more awareness out there for them, for them to raise more money to get folks here and uh, <coughs> excuse me, folks here in our uh, community involved, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. We have a big event in March, a golf event that raises uh, the most amount of money for us. So we raise about a half a million dollars there, and, and we hold uh, four or five different events uh, throughout the course of the year. You always have a concert. That's always a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, we enjoy that. It kicks off our <laughs> golf tournament in March. And it's just low. Now the count. I'm Lugo's two balls and a strike. Do you get to sing very much with that? Do I get to yeah, sing? No. You know what? I Now quite a few of those musicians are good friends of mine, and they like to uh, kind of invite me up, and I am an awful singer. <laughs> I mean, my daughter, if you heard her tonight, did a did a nice job. She got none of that from me, I promise you. Two and one on Lugo. Here's the pitch by Kickham. That swung on and fouled away. Now the count will go to an even two balls and two strikes. Lugo in a little bit of pain after he fouled that one off. Count two and two. Well, how's the season going for you? It's been rough, actually, to be honest. This has yeah. probably my, been my toughest season so far. I, uh, the last four events I've played, I've missed the cut. I missed them all by one shot. So it's like that getting so close and, and struggling. I capped it off at the players uh, a couple weeks ago, making a quadruple bogey seven on uh, the 17th. Missed the cut by one coming in. So right. uh, it's been disappointing. But, uh, you know, I, I guess I've <clears throat> been in this game long enough to know to be patient and, and uh, keep working, and hopefully some good things will happen. So I'm sure you can really relate to baseball players who, if they're successful, seven out of ten times they fail. That's a 300 batting average. <laughs> As there's a swing and a miss for Lugo, he strikes out for the first out here in the inning. I guess I'd be a little, in a little bit of a slump right now. I'm, I'm about <laughs> probably uh, one from my last 23 right now. <laughs> but you've had stretches like that before. You've been able to bounce back and do very well after it. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it is uh, you know putting the work in and, and having faith. I mean, uh, knowing that you've put the work in, knowing sometimes you don't always see it. You know, see immediate gains, but uh, you know, keep plugging away, and some good things will happen. Here's Oscar Hernandez at the plate. No score. We're in the top of the second. Kickham delivers a first pitch strike to Oscar Hernandez. You mentioned when you were younger, uh, you got to play baseball. I imagine you played football, basketball as well, and then you finally focused on golf. What, what reason did you start focusing on golf? What was really your well, I path was, there? I was best at it. <laughs> good start. Uh, I don't want to get right in the middle of your pitch here. There's the 0-1. 
Big swing and a miss. Nothing in two. I'm starting to get used to this now, I think. <laughs> uh, you can you know, talk over the pitch. It's I think all a right. lot of it, at the end of the day, I love playing team sports. My closest friends, and, and still to this day, some of my closest friends I played basketball with. But I kind of enjoyed, kind of always, in golf, you always have the ball. Uh, you, you hit a good shot, bad shot. You have no one to blame. It's all on you. And, uh, and of course, I was, I was best at that sport by far. So it gave me the best opportunity to move on to college and, and onward. Here's a swing and a miss, and Hernandez strikes out. So back-to-back -back strikeouts from Mike Kickham. Still a man at first base, Rudy Flores. Now Evan Marzilli coming up to the plate. I heard your dad was your swing coach, and you do have one of the more unique swings in the game of golf. Now, if we look back at video from your days in high school and now, or if, if there is video from your days in high school, very little similar? pictures. Uh, yeah. It's a little bit more conventional now. It was really upright and outside when I was in high school. It's it's gotten a little better. I like to say in about 50 years it'll look normal. Here's a pitch that's just off the plate. Ball one to Evan Marzilli. Now, do you ever have friends in the PGA Tour trying to mimic the swing or kind of copy it? Uh, and we're just messing around maybe on the range? There, you know, Peter Jacobson used, used to be good at that. Uh, <laughs> it, it's tough. There's a... This last week, I was spending some time with some of the equipment reps on tour, and uh, one of the, the Callaway putter rep uh, actually was pretty good at it. It would uh, <laughs> he had the, the hitch, all the little idiosyncrasies, sure. and uh, he actually had the swing down pretty good. It was uh, it was impressive, I, I, and I love that. I like to be able to laugh at myself as well. Sure. One and one on Marzilli, still a runner at first, two gone. We have no score in the top of the second. Check swing, and that's just off the plate. Two and one, but. I'm sure you had a lot of coaches or a lot of people that came up to you and said, you know, maybe you need to get a more conventional swing, but you remain true to yourself all throughout the entire process. You know, no one's going to walk up to a 15-year-old kid and tell them their swing's never going to last, but my dad had to deal with a lot of that being my really? teacher. So uh, I think it was a big relief to him when I had some success, you know, in my career and made it to the PGA Tour and won. I think he could kind of take a deep breath and say, you know, okay, we were working on the right things. and. And, uh, you know, that's your son. You want to you wanna steer him in the right direction. And, and he did a wonderful job of doing that. Well, two and two on Marzilli. We have no score. We're in the top of the second as we visit with PGA Tour professional Jim Furyk. First by Kickham over at Flores. And now the 2-2. Two -two. Here's a swing and a high fly ball that's going into left field. Backing up a few steps as Glenn. He's under it, makes the catch for the out, and the inning is over. We'll continue visiting with Jim throughout this inning break, going to the bottom of the second, no score. Now, these guys are in double-A baseball, trying to make their way to the big leagues, and for you, you also had to go through basically the minor leagues of golf. What was that process like on the Nike Tour? I was, I was fortunate that I was able to move up quick. I played about a half a year of, of golf was able to get my Nike tour card, which is now the web.com tour, and, and uh, I had a pretty successful season. I finished about 26th on the money list, had to go back to tour school, but really what it, I think it was about, a lot of it was growing up. I was 22 years old, um, really hadn't traveled that much, traveling the country, getting used to playing four-round tournaments, making cuts. Uh, it was just a maturing process, and I think really I realized that my game was good enough to play on the PJ Tour, but I wasn't back then consistent enough. So doing it day in and day out, realizing how to be a professional, how to prepare, um, and really kind of keeping my eyes and ears open. Going and seeking out players that were older than me, that had more experience, that were better players, and figuring out what they did better than me, asking questions, and, and trying to draw bits and pieces from everyone. And I think that's probably what goes on here a lot, a lot in the minor leagues. These guys all have talent. It's about being able to do it you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. and. Uh, you know, it's, it's fun to watch. There's been a lot of a lot of great players go through Jacksonville here, so it's great, great to come out to the park. 
Who were some of the guys that really helped you out when you first made it to the PGA Tour and started playing in majors? Um, you know, I I would say uh, early in my career, I played some practice. I played a practice, and I still remember this day. It was with Bruce Litsky, Andy North, and Tom Kite. And watching, uh, I think, how relaxed Bruce was, how meticulous Tom Kite was. Uh, I picked bits and pieces, but Tom Kite prepared in a practice round better than anyone had ever seen. I mean, I, at the end of the day, I felt like I was already a day down. Like he had <laughs> he had prepared so well for the course, I couldn't figure out what he was doing. So I just kept bothering him and pestering him and asking him questions. And uh, and I've heard now, you know, throughout the middle of my career, I've heard other players say that about me. But, you know, you pick those things up from, from the folks ahead of you. Now we begin the bottom of the second inning. Alex Glenn leads off the inning. First pitch swinging pops it up our way, but it's going to go onto the roof, and it's strike one. Now you also, you're starting to gain that consistency. You got your first win in 1995, and then throughout the 90s, early 2000s, getting wins basically each and every year. You got to be proud that you were able to be consistent, make cuts, and obviously keep getting paid. Early in my career, I told my dad I had a chance to win a couple times as a rookie, and at the end of the year, just going over it, I told him I needed to be more consistent, that the best players in the world did it more often, week in and week out. And I think that's one of the things I'm proud of in my career is that I'm kind of known as a uh, a model of consistency. I had a lot of good years in a row and, and uh, a lot of wins, you know, such as Dustin Johnson right now seems to be able to win each and every year. Uh, just incredible. So uh, he's had a much better career than I did early in my years, but uh, it was something that I really wanted to work on and, and I'm proud that I was able to accomplish that. Alex Glenn strikes out to begin the inning. Now Austin Nola to the plate. And I remember when I was younger, it was either 2002 or 2003, a book came out called Chasing Tiger. And it was about a lot of PGA Tour golfers like yourself who were competing with Tiger Woods during when he was having a really unprecedented stretch yeah, we, of success. We, we never caught him. <laughs> <laughs> Next pitch is in there for a strike. But what was like is I'm sure you saw him just as he was a very young guy playing in majors as an amateur and then finally going pro and then getting on that great stretch he had. He, uh, he just always had a great knack and, a, and kind of a killer instinct, just a, the ability to win, to close. Uh, when he first came out on tour, he, he didn't have control of the golf ball at times. He'd be in the middle of the fairway 150 in, in airmail greens. He became, in my opinion, the best iron player I have ever seen. Uh, it was amazing. From, uh, from 150 yards, he could hit wedge 9, 8, 7 and always hit it flag high. He can control the distance, the trajectory, the curvature of the golf ball better than anyone I'd ever seen. And uh, it was in his heyday, it was just awesome to, uh, to witness. Now Nola strikes up. And that will be the second out of the inning as we continue visiting with Jim Furyk. Now, you've also won a major championship, won the 2003 U.S. Open, won the Tour Championship in 2010, PGA Tour Player of the Year. But I know you're also very proud of your time with the Ryder Cup, and you get to be the captain for 2018. I'm looking forward to it. It's such an honor to, uh, to be named captain and, and a huge responsibility. So it's something I'm, I'm working on each and every day, um, whether it's just in my mind or uh, writing some stuff down on paper or actually preparing, and I'm going to make my first uh, – site visit to the to Le Golf National uh, this summer in July to Paris. So uh, looking forward to seeing the golf course and uh, and just getting an idea of our accommodations, hotel, you know, uh, really just, just uh, setting everything up for the team. And then you mentioned the team. I imagine, too, a lot of it's just kind of really diving in and making sure you're watching as much golf as possible from the guys that could be on that U.S. roster. Uh, yeah, and right now it's pretty loose. Uh, the tournaments that are gaining points, uh, right now are just the major championships, the World Golf Championships, and, of course, the players. So we've only had, I think, four qualifying tournaments. 
uh, U.S. Open will be the fifth. And, uh, you know, this year we'll get an idea of who's playing well in some of the big tournaments. Next year the team's going to start to take form. And, and, of course, I get to pick basically a third of the team. I sure. have four captain's picks for the team, which is uh, – you know, a, a huge responsibility, but I think uh, it's, it's worked well for us in the last few few Ryder Cups. Jeremy Espineda, the plate, three and one the counts, going up against Taylor Clark. Next pitch is a strike, three and two. Now, will you play less next year with some of your Ryder Cup responsibilities? You know, I've narrowed my schedule down to about 18 to 20 events as it is, and I think I think I can still play 18 to 20 events and, and stay competitive. Now, Pineda swings and lifts this foul out of play. It's three balls and two strikes on Jeremias Pineda. Now you're also a record holder. You shot a 58 last year. Is that one of the best days of your life? <laughs> uh, it was a great day professionally. Right. Um, you know, I had the 59 in 2013. It was a little bit surreal. Never thought that you know, being kind of known for a guy that's consistent, but maybe wins on tough courses, not a guy that's known for shooting real low scores. So to have uh, two of those rounds below 60 at 59 58 is uh it's kind of a nice feather in the cap, especially late in my career, 43 and 46 years old. So uh, I think I was maybe a little more mature and able to handle it. And uh, It's more of a mental battle those last few holes than it really is physical. Yeah, that leads right in my next question. I imagine it's very similar to a baseball pitcher throwing a no-hitter. You're kind of thinking about it, but you're trying not to, I imagine. I had uh, – when I shot 59, I was playing with Jason Duffner and Gary Woodland, and neither one of them the last three holes would get within 15 feet of me. And I was trying. I was, That's a big, baseball tradition, too. We had yeah. a big weight on the, uh, on the eighth tee. I was finishing on the front nine, and I was trying to talk to someone, and they, I basically had to chase them around the tee box just to start talking. <laughs> uh, they, they were trying to avoid me. Well, Jeremy Espineda drew a walk. Now Mike Kickham, the pitcher, is at the plate. We have no score. We're in the bottom of the second. And also, you've received such great instruction and help from your caddy over the years, Fluff Callen. Uh, he's a great guy. He, uh, Fluff, uh, I shouldn't say this, but Fluff's 69 years old, still working the bag. Uh, he's got a great attitude, shows up for work every day, excited about you know, coming to work, being a caddy. He loves what he does. Uh, he gets along with everyone. And, uh, you know, I like to say caddies, it's like a marriage out there. I, I see <laughs> Fluff more often than I see Tabitha some weeks, so uh, you've got to be able to get along pretty well. He's a great guy. Kick him swings and fouls this away, two and two. Now, you've got a very busy stretch coming up, don't you? Uh, I do. Playing uh, the next four weeks, playing uh, Jack Nicholas's event, the Memorial, then the uh, St. Jude Classic in Memphis, the U.S. Open, and then back to Travelers in Hartford where, uh, where I shot the 58 last year. So That's right. that'll be kind of a, a fun – it's not really going home, but it's going to feel like it just uh, after that score. I imagine so. Two and two on kick him. We have no score. We're in the bottom of the second as we continue to visit with Jim Furyk. Taylor Clark getting set to go. And a swing and a miss, strike three. Kick him strikes out. That will end the inning as they complete the putout by throwing on to first base. Well, Jim, we have certainly enjoyed catching up with you here in the second inning. Did a great job on the first pitch. Your daughter, Callie, a great job on the national anthem as well. But we're glad that Jim and Tabitha Furick Foundation are here tonight at the baseball grounds. Thank you for joining us on the radio. We are as well. We've had a lot of support from, uh, from the community, and we're just glad to come out. We've got... Basically, all of 106 and 109 came out for the Jim and Tab of the Furyk <laughs> Foundation today. So, uh, a lot of fun. Thanks for having me up in the booth. Enjoyed it.
thanks to Jim Purick for joining me on the radio last year at the baseball grounds of Jacksonville. Not often you get to talk to a golf major champion and somebody that lives in the Jacksonville area. So really cool to talk with him, and I hope you enjoy that conversation mixed in with a little baseball play-by-play as we are January 22nd today, and that means it's getting closer and closer to being college baseball season first, and then spring training begins, and then it's time for the jumbo shrimp. Uh, It's hard to believe that all of it's starting to come together so quickly and it it really even feels like this month of January has flown by as well. Quickly on Alabama women's basketball, great to see the Tide win yesterday over Vanderbilt. A nice two-point victory for the Crimson Tide, 77-75, a real nail-biter of a game, but the Crimson Tide uh, did what was necessary in the final stretches to win the ball game. so very proud of Alabama for getting that win. Now the Crimson Tide are 4-3, and three, and some time on the road coming up, going to Kentucky on Thursday to take on Darren Hedrick and his Kentucky Wildcats, and then going to Auburn to take on the Tigers and last year Alabama won at Auburn for the first time in many years so it's going to be cool to go back to Auburn Arena coming up on Sunday. Alabama played yesterday at the same time of the AFC Championship game and a heartbreaker. Absolutely a heartbreaker for the Jacksonville Jaguars that's lose to the Patriots especially with the lead in the fourth quarter and the way Things just didn't work out. Uh, Very tough to stomach for uh, me as a Jaguars fan and for a lot of really passionate, diehard Jacksonville Jaguars fans like Blythe, who we talked to last Friday, and uh, just so many I know um, working in Jacksonville. Very tough to see that season come to an end, but I think there is a lot for Jaguar fans to be proud of. I think the future is going to be really bright for this organization moving forward. You never know when you're going to get back to a stage where you have an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl like they have had yesterday if they had pulled out the victory in New England, but uh, you have to consider as well, that's the uh, greatest football dynasty we've seen in a long, long time with the Patriots and Bill Belichick, greatest head coach I think in NFL history, Tom Brady, even though I'm a Peyton Manning fan, yes, he's the greatest quarterback in the game's history, and those two just did their thing yesterday, and uh, tough to see that for the Jaguars, but some really good things I still think on the way for this franchise, and I really think this is a transformational year for NFL. NFL football in Jacksonville, and I think Jaguars fans are going to take this ball and really run with it, and it's going to be cool to see what Everbank Field is like for 2018. But otherwise, it's time to keep working on the Jumbo Shrimp Media Guide. I've just updated my television play-by-play reel for basketball. I made a soccer TV reel for the first time and also updated my overall reel. So those are all available on my YouTube page and also available on hooverbroadcasting.com. So I'm really proud of the work I've been able to do over the last fall with the SEC Network uh, with Tennessee and Alabama and looking forward to more events coming up as the spring sports get started in just a few weeks. That's going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Again, hope to have an episode later in the week with another new guest, but I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Jim Furyk. Until next time, play the waltz, Roy. I remember the night and the Tennessee waltz. Only you know how much I have lost. Yes, I lost my little darling the night that